This is the Wonder Life Podcast, the voice for health and wellness. I'm your host, Andrea Ritter. Thank you for joining. On this episode of the Wonder Life Podcast, we sit down with our guest host, Derek Metz, to talk about biohacking and what he has done to live optimally and maximize the performance of his body. Enjoy this episode of the Wonder Life Podcast. So uh, you just, you turned 40 a year, like a year ago. Yeah. Ish. Yeah. You're not 41 yet. No, next Soon. Tuesday. Shut up, Dad. We'll be singing a birthday song up on this podcast. <laughs> so you were an athlete in college. Yes. And I'm assuming in high school, because that's probably how you got there. Yep. And then you had life happen, and yeah. now you're 40 for the next week. Right. Why did you start biohacking? Yeah. And what the hell does that mean? Because, I mean, I feel like people always are talking about a biohack, and I don't really know what that means. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> so, you know, the, the biohacking thing, as I understand it, it is, you know, um, it's really the way that I view it is really more about understanding the relationship of, you know, all of the sort of systems in your body and know that they have, you know, very direct means of manipulation, some easier than others, but there are various pathways that you can alter, uh, in the system to produce some effect, right? So, um, with biohackers, you know, it can be everything from, uh, I want to boost, um, cognition and performance. It could be physical performance. It could be, um, trying to cure yourself of some ailment, you know, uh, and then there are different ways that you can, uh, different uh, modalities that you can use to, to do that. One could be drugs or, or nutrients, supplements, food. It could be exercise. It could be meditation. It could be a whole host of things um, independently or in concert to um, introduce inputs into a certain system and via those mechanisms of action produce some desired effect or, you know, undesired effect. So is everyone <laughs> really biohacking? Like I go on a diet to, you know, cleanse my <clears throat> liver and ultimately, you know, probably lose weight. Am I in essence biohacking because I'm trying to manipulate some sort of system in my body or? I mean, I think it's, I mean, personally, I think it's semantics, honestly. I mean, I think, um, it, you know, uh, it's a hashtag. A diet intervention, <laughs> I would consider it a hack. Uh, you know, I guess it goes back to what do you consider a drug? Do you consider that to be like just hard drugs or do you consider sugar and aspirin are all in this category called drugs, right? Right. Um, the way that I look at it is, you know, uh, we are all probably hacking to some extent these days. You know, a diet's a good example, right? If you are choosing the foods that you're trying to eat, to have some sort of positive outcome on your overall physiology. Are you hacking? I don't see what the difference yeah, between that is so. versus taking some fridge supplement to yield something else, you know? And, and ironically, I think some of the like less exotic things like diet, sleep, uh, exercise have the most profound impact rather than tweaking, you know, some little, you know, pathway or taking some little supplement or whatever. Um, that can have an effect, but I've often found that, like, if you're not nailing your diet, getting enough rest, and, you know, moving around a little bit, and you're playing with some of these other supplements, as I've learned in my own trial and errors, you're really, like, you know, pissing in the wind, honestly. Yeah. Um, you know, and so, 
the way that I look at it is, is uh, if I did nothing else and I nailed those things and I played with no other supplements and did nothing else exotic, whatever, would I be in better shape than the reverse? Likely, you know. Um, so, so what you know, made think, you do this? Like, what made you? I mean, yeah, I don't so, think it, I don't know. Was it conscious? I mean, I say do this, like you yeah. are like <laughs> a man in a bubble, but like you yeah. are are one of the people I know is like on this journey of like really living optimally and yeah. maximizing the performance of your body to be most energetic and your best and to feel great. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I came, came into it, uh, with a, any more unique perspective than potentially anybody else at that age. And so, you know, was a trained athlete, did that stuff, you know, burned the candle at both ends really, and never really thought about it twice when I was younger, you know, um, then as you get older, uh, you know, have a wife, had kids, younger kids at the time, um, uh, you know, a big career moving, doing all kinds of stuff, you know, I quickly realized given all of life's demands, I'm like, you know, a little slower, a little quick on the uptake, managing a lot more stuff. It's hard to keep everything straight. Um, and I was really looking more for a mental edge at the time. And so, um, also not uncommon, you know, I think my natural tendency was to take a shortcut or a hack, if you will, into that and, you know, approach some doctor about, oh, I'll see if you can give me an ADH drug for this. You know, I want to get a little bit of a mental edge. It's arguable whether or not I would have ADHD. And in fact, if I had to self-diagnose, I'd say I don't have that. <laughs> so... So I'm going to need that Adderall to get through the day. Exactly. And, and it does run into my family, but I'm like, listen, I, I don't, I really don't think I have it. And if so, I've been you know, managing this well for like 30 years, you just like had too much on your plate. But nonetheless, you know, he was a good doctor and he was just like, you don't have this at all. And no, I'm not giving this to you. And so at that point I was like, okay, well now I'm going to have to, you know, kind of go through the internet rabbit hole and figure out well, what way can I, um, get a mental edge on performance or whatever. Um, and at the time, you know, it was less popular, uh, than it is now, but stumbled down a few rabbit holes, got introduced to people like Tim Harris, Tim Ferris, uh, Dave Asprey, Ben Greenfield, a lot of those different, um, folks and community. And, uh, at the time, keto was really big, right? Yeah. It was a way of like clean, um, you know, minimal eating, fat burning for this. You loved that. You did that for a while until mm-hmm. you couldn't. Until I your did. body was like, you know what? It's like, you know, know. what? You're lean enough, guy. We're and, good uh, on that, yeah. keto. You're literally starving your brain. Well, what it turned out was, um, I mean, listen, eating ketogenically is fine. Um, there's a place for it. Um, I wasn't treating any kind of metabolic disease. And so, um, as with anything, I think over time I learned that I responded well to that diet, but I also have to cycle off of that, especially as physically demanding. I think one of the challenges that I experienced myself was I was already lean to begin with, um, and was doing uh, a keto diet, but at the same time was also doing some intermittent fasting. And so what I found was energetically, I felt great. You know, I was before the the whole time restricted thing even sort of was a thing. 
I found myself really just only eating like once or twice a day and pretty much fasting from dinner through, I would say anywhere between 10 o'clock and two o'clock. Um, and I had no problem with it. I didn't get any food cravings. I could stay mentally sharp. I actually liked not having a whole lot of like food in my system. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it didn't impact my workouts at all either. Like even to this day, I can go in and do a fasted workout and feel great. I don't feel like I don't have energy or anything like that either. Um, but over time, I started noticing that because that diet is so effective at its like satiation, you know, I was like dramatically undercutting my caloric needs just to keep my body going, uh, not to mention on the days when I would work out. And so I would be in a deficit of somewhere between 800 or worse, a thousand calories a day. So yeah, you'll lean out really fast on that. Yeah. And you can, you know, and, and. You know, over time, I think when th- when I would get too lean, um, that's what it felt like. It felt like the engine was running a little too lean. It didn't have a whole lot of buffer. If I was hit with a lot of stress at that point, um, on top of, you know, the hormetic stress that that causes the body, plus working out, plus sauna, plus maybe not sleeping, you know, enough is enough. And I think, you know, what quickly, you know, what was helping quickly became like, just put food in your face. Well, we, we talked to, um, Kimsey self and she told us that the keto diet was really used. It needed to be used as therapy, as therapy to help you deal with some acute condition. And it's not supposed to be long-term. And I had no idea. I tried keto and it made me sick. And I didn't realize if you have autoimmune stuff, it actually is not the best route for you. But I was like, oh, this sounds great. High fat and all that. And I was like, I do not feel well. And so I'm not dissing the keto diet, but it's like everybody is different. So you performed really well for a while until your body was like, you know what? Eat a burger made with a bun too. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's, boy, the keto one is tricky. So So are most diets because I think everybody wants to find that one size fits all. I just, just tell me the answer so I can set it and forget it and move on to something else I have to remember. And while that's super convenient, the reality is, you know, going back to us being just dynamic systems, stress loads vary, life situations vary, health varies, things change when you age. You're just not going to be in a place where it's just like, okay, the keto diet, I'm going to eat like this forever. I'm done. Right. It just, I have not found that to be the case. And And like maybe with any diet, diet, if you will, I think with anything else, it starts to lose, you know, um, starts to lose efficacy over time. You know, even if that is what you should be having at some, at some point, uh, it helps to throw a little curveball in there just so that it's used to responding. You know, uh, you often hear like, whether they're uh, good for you or not, if you eat too much of the same thing, you'll start to develop an allergy over right. time. Right, you know? so annoying. Um, yeah, so uh, through trial and error, I found out that that diet works great. Even to this day, if I go on a tear and just go completely off reservation, which is rare these days, but it definitely happens, um, that's one thing I can just keep in my arsenal and go, if I just eat you know, ketogenic and throw some intermittent fasting in there in a week, I'll erase everything I just did, at least visually. And, yeah. you know, generally speaking, everything else under the hood falls in line, too. Um, but, yeah, I noticed the same thing. I wouldn't feel well. Uh, obviously, you lose a lot of weight, and you don't have a lot physically in reserve. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, that's happening. And then mentally, uh, you know, being the athlete, I'm going to go keep working now, even though I really shouldn't just because that's just in my head. And so, you know, you really have to tweak a lot of things if you're going to kind of do some of that stuff. And I think at the end of the day, it all came back to like, what are you trying to do? What's your goal with taking this whole thing? If you're taking the diet, uh, if you're trying to do keto to lose weight, that's different. And your approach to keto to just lose weight would be different than if you're trying to, you know, treat it, uh, seizures, yeah. you know, and, and the very strictest form of keto is like damn near impossible, you know, that I tried when you're talking about getting like 20 grams or less of sugar per day. I mean, that's hard to do. You're talking about having to measure like how much sugar is in this ketchup, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Um, but coupled, you know, with, it's either try to stick to 20 grams or I have a seizure, you know, right. that's pretty easy to comply when you're that desperate. If you're just trying to lose weight, you're like, what the hell? You know, this is, this is either really hard to do or I have zero social life or it's just, uh, way more than what I need in order to do this. And so, um, then you start playing with it a little bit, you know, I'm like, okay, 20 grams is way too less. How much can I get away with before I'm not actually doing keto anymore or, um, start having side effects to it. Right. And, um, but people do say that keto is so great for restoring that balance. So back to the whole seizure thing or people with brain injury or whatever, because our brain needs that fat. So like, so it's really good for like using it therapeutically. Yeah. Yeah, even, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, again, I think starting with like, you know, what, what am I trying to do here? And then trying to figure out, well, what's the best protocol to use for that? And how long should I do that? You know? And so if it's to treat something acute and you treat it, then are you just going to stay on that forever? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you modify it to maintain a state and maybe you don't ever have to go back to it. I don't know. What else have you tried? So you've, so you've hacked with the, with the diet. So, yeah. So that led me to, that got me interested in some of the stuff and I, and, you know, saw a lot of these claims where, um, oh, you could do some of these more natural interventions and have this profound effect on whatever it was you were trying to do. And so I found the topic interesting and I was like, well, practically what can I do that's going to have very little cost to just see if this stuff works or if this is BS. And I think I was reading uh, four hour body at the time and I loved everything about, you know, Tim Ferriss's, you know, sort of underlying message there, which was minimum effective dose. So smallest amount of effort or whatever you have to take to elicit the desired response. Anything less, you don't get the desired response. Anything more, you get side effects. So, you know, I think our conventional wisdom is like if 20 grams of protein is good per meal, then maybe 50 is better. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that kind of stopped that stuff in its tracks. I think for me, because a, it, it didn't, didn't require that. Uh, and B, you start to have side effects at the end. And, you know, um, with a lot of these things, the minimum effective dose thing for me was like time, right? I don't have time to do all this stuff. So if I could go in and do a workout and I knew that 90 seconds of time under tension was enough to stimulate a muscle to grow, why would I sit in there and do set after set after set and crush my body? when 90 seconds was all it took to stimulate enough of a response to tell your body to grow muscle. And especially if I'm not a bodybuilder you right. know, or training for a sport, 
I sure as hell don't need to be in the gym for three hours a day. There's no way my wife would ever let me get away with that. Um, and it's also unnecessary. So, you know, a lot of it was just, what's the smallest amount of thing I have to do here to get what I want and not do anything more there, not spend any more money, eat any more food, spend any more time kind of a thing. Um, so I did one experiment in that book, which was boosting testosterone and his protocol was something like, um, taking X amount of vitamin D, it was enriched butter fat, which was like Kerrygold, uh, a decent amount of fish oil, somewhere around two grams, and I think uh, either cold showers or like a nice pack on your back. Um, and you would do that for maybe a couple weeks and you're supposed to see like a profound increase in testosterone. So I just happened to be going in for like a physical, so I had to measure testosterone. And then I did that for a couple weeks and it was fine, it's pretty easy, you know. Uh, cold showers took some getting used to. Um, and then went back in there a couple of weeks later and had him just do another test and it jumped by three X. And I was like, Holy crap. You know, like that was pretty easy. And then I was just like, well, what else can I do? And then, you know, all the rabbit holes ensue. And so it definitely started out diet wise, just trying different things. Um, you know, it was pretty easy to manipulate, uh, my physical appearance, and it was starting off in a pretty good place too. It's not like I was like significantly overweight right. or, you know, I'm just in pretty good shape. Um, but not having to do very much, um, was easy to, you know, to manipulate, you know, visually how I, you know, um, and then it just got into sort of other areas there. So then it was trying different diet things or just different supplements to improve cognition and ran through the gamut of all those things that you could try from the exotic stuff like modafinil to, <laughs> and, and Adderalls to, you know, mushrooms and just getting the right levels of vitamin D or certain micronutrients that maybe my diet was missing before. And, you know, spent tons of money and lots of time and stuff like that to basically come back around and, and, and land on the, the idea that, um, that's kind of the 1%. And if you're not really nailing the other 99%, which is like eating well consistently, sleeping well, resting, recovering, um, moving around a little bit, it's really kind of a waste. And some of those things do have, you know, pretty powerful acute effects. Um, but just like Ferris would say too, you know, there's no biological free lunch and every, you know, significant benefit probably has some corollary side effect, you know, so... Um, do they help? Yeah. Will they, are they sustainable? Maybe not. How many supplements <clears throat> do you take right now? Um, so now I probably take half a dozen, you know, that's down from maybe three dozen. Like um, a day. A day. I mean, I used to do the whole thing, like, you know, all of it. D, K2, B12, methylfolate. Uh, D every day. Zinc. I take D every day, um, more so during the winter when those levels can drop. Um, I found, you know, through some of this, you know, hacking or whatever you want to call it, that I just felt better overall when my vitamin D levels were somewhere in the 50 to 80 nanogram range. Um, and when I was tested, they were around 30. Most people are deficient in vitamin D no matter where you live. I know. It's hard to get it's it from the sun. We wear sunscreen. It's hard to get it from your diet in those levels. Um, so I think most people would tell you that supplementing with vitamin D is probably not a bad idea. 
And, you know, it took a shocking amount to go from, like, 33 or 32 or whatever I had to, like, 60, 65, which is where I hover around today. I think that initial ascension, I was taking somewhere around 10,000 IU a day for, like, months. To, like, bring it back up. Yeah, and it was in the winter and stuff like that. And so it it took a a lot to get it up to that level. And now that it's up at that level, I'll still probably take 5,000 to 7,000 a day, even in the summer. Um, you know, and check it regularly, you know, if you get up into like a hundred then I'll probably back off a little bit, but generally speaking, you know, you can maintain at that level. Um, and now I don't take most, most of that stuff, you know, I went and we're working with some functional medicine folks and we, um, stopped doing all of that stuff for a while just to baseline some other metabolic changes I was making with some of the diet and really just kept the ones that were critical, like vitamin D, um, I do still take uh, some electrolytes like magnesium and zinc, uh, a lot of salt with my water, stuff like that. I really don't take the B12 anymore. You can get a lot of it from your diet. And, you know, well, that's what people efficient. say is that you should actually be getting all this stuff from your diet if you can. And then, mm-hmm. you know, because our soil is nutrient deficient, we'd have to eat like 300 heads of romaine a day to get, you know, I mean, it's like. So it's, it's that balance, like do as much as you can from food yeah, and then see what happens. Yeah. And you know, I don't even know if there is a quote unquote optimal range where these, you know, uh, vitamin and nutrient levels should live or if that range is dynamic depending upon where you're at. I mean, some of those RDAs are like really weird. Um, you know, you'll get, what's an RDA? Like the recommended daily amount. How much vitamin D should you be taking a day? I mean, a lot of those, you know, um, those recommendations are not... They're like from like 1960. I mean, at best, they're directionally correct for the masses. But, you know, how much vitamin D do you need versus you versus me is variable. And for them to be able to stick that on the side of a label and you just like shove it in your mouth and set it and forget it, you know. Um, you know, again, just use vitamin D as an example. How much vitamin D do I need? What time of year is it? Where are you currently at? Where are you trying to get? That's like why it's so important to like begin to listen to what your body needs because we are all so different. And so whatever that recommended daily is, is not necessarily based upon you or you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the, um, that stuff is just, I think what I learned in this process was getting really good at self-diagnosing. Where am I at today? What's going on with me right now, both physically and then as I started doing more, you know, neurofeedback and meditation, mentally taking stock. Where am I at today? What, what, generally, what's my mood? How's my body feeling? What are my thoughts like? Where do am I feeling pain? And self-diagnosing and then going, okay, um, you're not in a really good headspace or you're a little grumpy this morning. What's up with that? Maybe you should meditate a little bit or maybe you need to go work out to move some energy around or something like that. Um, or you've got a little bit of pain here. Maybe you should take it a little bit easier today and do something lighter, do a sauna or some stretching or some yoga. Don't go in there and pound it today. Um, so that kind of self-diagnosing um, and then having different practices to draw from is where, you know, sort of married all these different little like protocols and supplements and rabbit holes that you can, can go down with really at the end of the day, which I think was more valuable, which was where am I at?
Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. Please light us up on social at Wonder Health, and that is Wonder with a U. For more information on the topics we discussed, go to wonderhealth.com. Subscribe on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen, and please share with your friends. Go out and shine your light and transform this world.